Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Betting Pros NFL podcast. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. The NFL draft is about to be here. Thankfully, we will have something to focus on uh, in this crazy world that we're in. Uh, With me to break down some of our favorite prop bets is uh, my good friend, Rich Ryan. You can find him over at the Gridiron Gamble podcast and on Twitter at Rich T. Ryan. Rich, how are you? Gambling. It's something, right? Are you are you going crazy on Madden simulations or anything like that? You know, I uh, I picked up NBA 2K kind of when this whole thing was starting, and I've been grinding that a little bit. But no, the, uh, the simulating... My favorite is the folks that are simulating, like, old games. I'm talking, like, NCAA basketball games, and I guess old is a relative term since I'm... <laughs> I'm uh, in my uh, young 30s, but I'm talking yeah. like mid-2000s college basketball games and just throwing it up. But yeah, you could tell last night, recording this on a Monday morning, uh, how thirsty everybody was for just even a semblance of sports as we all live-tweeted uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. On that was pretty, it was pretty amazing, though, right? I mean, I don't think they oversold it. It had so much hype coming into it, but I think it pretty much delivered for the first two episodes. Oh, and behind the scenes, the the team that's doing this are doing amazing work. Uh, this was supposed to be delivered in June. Uh, evidently, the last five episodes haven't even been completed yet in the editing bay. So the the time and effort that these guys are putting in to cut this and something that, you know, we're enjoying it now. But I mean, this is going to last, you know, many lifetimes beyond this as kind of the the documentary about Michael Jordan, uh, for them to be under that time crunch is pretty incredible. Yeah, they're doing an amazing job. It really did deliver uh, at least the first two episodes. I'm sure the rest will be great. I'm excited to show it to my son, who is obsessed with LeBron, because he is obsessed with all great athletes. Um, he's pretty much a front runner. I'm excited to show him, you know, teach him about Michael Jordan through this with, you know, the, the edited version of it, which doesn't have some of the, <laughs> the curses, right? two no, version you know. of I mean he, he's six so we we have to be careful but anyway all of that was a nice little uh return to sports uh shall we say but now we've got something tangible we've got something real we've got the NFL draft it's gonna be weird okay it's gonna be really really weird with everyone doing it remotely everyone on zoom and and calls and I'm really kind of secretly hoping that there are going to be various technical mishaps and stuff like that, just because it will be fun to watch. But either way, everyone is going to be watching it, and everyone is finally going to have something real to gamble on. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, prop bets. We're going to be using the consensus lines, as we always do, over at bettingpros.com. You can get the draft props one at bettingpros.com slash draft hyphen props. You can see there's a whole range of things, as I'm sure Rich will also be doing. You know, you can do specific players or teams or whatever you want to do. So we're going to go through just a few of our favorite ones here, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. Out of curiosity, Rich, you correct me if I'm wrong, and Please don't take this the wrong way. You've been on this podcast several times. You are a Jets fan, correct? Unfortunately, yes. As am I. So, I mean... Named after the great Richard Todd. uh, A lifetime of misery. Yeah, my father is an insane person. uh, Somehow convincing my mom to name me Richard Todd Ryan. Uh, But yes, a lifetime of misery. 32 years so far and a lifetime beyond this, uh, undoubtedly. 
Well, I've got 39, so I'm I'm beating you there. But yeah, uh, out of curiosity, do any of your favorite props have to do with the Jets? I had to. Come on. I had okay. to. I had a Jets. Then we'll save it. Then we'll save it. That's fine. I was going to ask you whether or not you had anything uh, fun if they weren't one of your props, but I assumed you were going there. So anyway, you can start us off Jets or not, but what's your first one that you're looking at here? So this part of draft season is very intriguing to me because if you take the long view, uh, if you look at the predictability of the draft at the beginning, there's two axes, right? There's player evaluation and then there's sourcing. And as we progress through this process and get closer to the draft, the sourcing element of this, in my opinion, becomes more important than the player evaluation because these reporters, these beat guys, they do a great job of talking to people within organizations. That's why sometimes you see betting odds so high. I mean, just look at Burrow and uh, Chase at the beginning of the draft, uh, Chase Young. The odds are astronomical that they're going to be selected in the places they are. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that these organizations have tipped their hand or they've been transparent to a reporter or two uh, throughout this process. And in the last couple of days... It seems quite evident that the NFL is quite cold on Tua Tagovailoa, and that's the last time I'll attempt his surname on this. I, just to be clear, I'm very impressed that you did it even once, because I just—I don't know—two months ago. I mean, I can do it because I, I have to be able to do it, but I've just completely stopped. Let lest I mess it up. So I've just been Tua. So already the fact that you did it once, I'm I'm impressed. <sighs> And it's uh, it's not the Wonderlick, right? That whole story is a bit of a clown show. He took it in 2018, got a 13. He just retook it. He scored a 19. The average is a 20. So uh, let's get that uh, crappy narrative out of here. It- also, by by the way, just to be clear, I mean Lamar Jackson. I, I realize that Lamar Jackson is primarily you know you know a runner, but he also scored a 13. So even if that were the case, I thought it was completely overblown personally. But yes, I it's either way, it's been essentially debunked. Yeah. So let's get that out of here. It's more to do with the hip and the medical and during these crazy times, how uncertain uh, NFL teams are surrounding him. So based upon the evidence that I'm seeing from reporters and sourcing and not the player evaluation, the first prop bet that I'm going to offer is Tua as the third quarterback drafted at plus 150. Um, I think it's quite clear uh, that he is going to quote unquote fall now, whether that be to 18, uh, which I saw one Detroit free press writer, uh, say yesterday, their sources were alluding to, I don't know about that, but him falling to even six to that spot to the chargers would be a precipitous fall from where we thought Tua was going to be selected just a few weeks ago. So I'm going to lead it off quarterback, the most sexy position, uh, Tua going third at plus 100. So I, I do like it. I'm buying this, you know, everything that's coming out. And again, you you talked about it. That That's part of what we're doing. I mean, maybe with the Jets. But other than that, we'll probably basically be breaking this down as a lot more sourcing as opposed to what we think maybe should happen or, you know, who we think is the best and stuff like that, because that's really irrelevant when you're talking about draft props. What we want doesn't matter. But yeah, I'm buying this. I don't think 18. I did see that as well, that that tweet that came out. Uh, I, I'm not buying that either, but I think as a third one, and I, I'm just going to point this out, and believe me, this is in no way faulting you whatsoever because this has happened to me six times today. 
to talk about where we are, which is why you really need to move as soon as you get an inkling on what you want to do. The consensus odds right now have dropped to even on Tua being the third quarterback. And you had it at plus 150, I believe. It's now even. I still see I'm looking at the various books. You can get it at plus 115 at William Hill, plus 110 at points bet. But for the most part, it's down to even because that's probably what's going to happen at this point. So I like it. So I have a Tua prop as well. I'm going to throw it in here to get on with you. I agree. That'd be one that I would go at. For me, if I'm going to get a little... I don't know, let's call it sexier to the extent you can invoke sexier when you're talking about the Jaguars. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, to the Jaguars, which currently is at plus 500. It was at, you know, right, you can get it higher at various places. You can get it at plus 700 at a variety of spots, but I'm buying the talk of him sliding for sure. I, I think that that's true. And, you know, I'm just not sure at this point that you really want to risk if you're the Dolphins, if you're the Chargers, if you really want to risk that spot. I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft, you know, there are varying levels of confidence in how good their careers are going to be. But if you're going to take him at five, take him at six, you've got to be really confident that this guy is going to be able to succeed in the NFL. And with, with all the stuff that's going on, especially in his short term, but all the reports going on about his health. I think he is going to slide, uh, and so that's why I do like your bet. But where is he going to slide to? To me, man, it is just hard uh, to see him getting past the Jags at nine if he does, because look, the Jaguars are, are not competing this year. If ever there was essentially an outright tank, that's basically what they're doing. And I know they have Minshew, so he's certainly the quote-unquote answer in the short term, but it's a splash, man. Khan likes to make the splash. It's long term. He can look that way. It would, you know, whether, you know, bring fans, which may not be happening this year, but it would garner more interest in the team. So to me, at nine, with the Jags sitting there, that's just where I think two is going to wind up going if he does fall. Now, I don't know. He, he still could go six uh, to the Chargers. The Chargers could trade up to get Herbert and he could go five to the Dolphins. I, you know, who knows at this point? But for me, you know, if you're getting, you know, plus 500, it wasn't as great. I got it when it was plus 700. Um, and you can still get that at some places. But at plus 500 to the Jags, that's still one that I'm willing to, to you know, dip my toes in the water a little bit. Yeah, Evan Silva, the the famed Evan Silva, who I believe had the third most accurate mock draft last year, according to you guys at Fantasy Pros, has this uh Tua going to the Jags at nine. And logically, it makes sense if you were to slip past that five and six spot, the Dolphins and Chargers, respectively. Look, the Panthers, it's not like Teddy Bridgewater is the best, but they gave him a ton of money. Uh, I don't think the Cardinals are going to Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray. I think we can uh, sidestep that. And then you look at the Jags, and it doesn't seem like there's a consensus even between uh, the sourced members of the community as to what they're going to do with that ninth pick. Uh, right. And you mentioned Shad, his son is a very uh, analytical guy, uh, runs uh, um, Fulham uh, Football Club over in England as well, loves things like DVOA and Football Outsiders, which you might not uh, think of when you think of the Jags and how they've performed as of late, but a very analytical team uh, running that football division. And I, it wouldn't shock me to see them quote-unquote punt on this year to rehab somebody as talented as Tua. Can I throw another real curveball out at you and just want to know what you think of this? Is there any chance? Am I just being crazy? What about for Tua in a specific team? What about the Pats? 
at plus 2,000. I mean, look, they are, you know, apparently going with Stidham, but they're, they don't get the chance to draft one of these great quarterbacks. They did wind up with Jimmy G, who they, of course, traded away. And, of course, everybody knows how late they got Brady. But you don't get the chance to draft a guy like this if you're the Patriots because unless you're willing to forego all your draft capital, they probably would have to trade up to do it. Um, you know, even with him sliding to 18, they, they need to trade up. But you can trade up. They have a lot of picks this year. You can trade up without giving up that much. Any chance there? Or is that something too crazy for you? It just doesn't seem like something Bill would do. Trading yeah. back is his mantra. He's he's understood faster than anybody that uh, the NFL draft is about darts. And as many darts as you can throw, the more successful you're going to be. He's the king of trading back. And I, I just don't see him packaging equity to move up. I also think, to, and to Bill's credit, all the success that he's had, I think he's a bit arrogant uh, as to who could succeed on his team in this system. Uh, they they really seem to be full, stat, uh, full steam ahead with this Stidham thing, which any other of the 31 organizations, it would seem mind-blowing. But right. could Bill do it? I don't know. Maybe Matt Castle went 11-5. and five. No, enough with the Matt Castle thing, all right? when you If you give Stidham Randy Moss and Wes Welker, we'll talk about it. But right now, especially with what they have at wide receiver, you know, I always I always think about that. This year is going to be fascinating with the Patriots anyway, just to see. But yeah, I don't know. An inkling of, of sort of maybe that could happen or something because, again, I don't necessarily think that it would require that much draft capital to move up. I'm talking if he slips and if somehow he slips past the Jags at nine. Maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they love Minshew Mania. Um, you know, if he if he does slip it slip into the late teens, I feel like it might not take all that much to move up. But again, I'm trying to have some fun. Okay, we've got you know that's the one thing that we can really bet on. But uh, anyway, all right. So we've both got our two of props out of the way, which you had to figure we'd we'd both have at least one. What's your next one? Well, yeah, just real quick. If you think we're both way off base, if you think the player evaluation is so strong that it, there's no shot that these teams are going to pass up a talent like Tua, despite the hip injury and despite. Uh, some of the confusion as to his medical, I think the the pivot there is Tua going third uh, at plus 500. Uh, if these teams are still in love with him, uh, that trade is there to be made with Detroit. Uh, so that's if you think we're wrong. The value is probably there, Tua, third overall, plus 500. But I'm going to go to another uh, player, third overall. And this is kind of like when you build your Super Bowl props. You think of a story as to a way the game is going to go, and then you select your props based upon that to try to get full leverage. And if I believe that the Tua market is cold uh, and that he will drop and no teams will be trading up for Justin Herbert because the whole market's cold, there's no reason uh, to jump up to get uh, Herbert. I'm going to take Jeff Okuda as the third player selected plus 125 is the consensus odds. It's plus 150 on DraftKings if you want to do a little price shopping. The Detroit Lions... It just moved, by the way. This is not a joke. I, I looked at this because it's part of one of my recommendations, which I'll get into in a second, but it just moved back to 150, the consensus line. So there you go. But it was at plus 125 an hour ago. By the way, that's a really great lesson in terms of trying to you know make sure a lot of this stuff, as more information is coming out, by the way, this one... Maybe not because it's back and forth. But a lot of, you know, the, the bets that I'm going to recommend, you know, three days ago, you know, the price was was much better that you could get them now because of all the intel that's coming up. But this is one again that that's not I don't think that's necessarily specific. The difference between 150 and 125, not a huge deal here uh, in this context, at least for for everything that you're hearing. 
Um, but that is a, a good lesson that you should always be shopping for the best line. Anyway, go ahead. Okuda, third, plus 150. Go ahead. Yeah, the Lions tore apart their secondary, traded Quandre Diggs midseason to the Seahawks last year, traded Darius Slay to the Eagles in the offseason here. From what scouts are saying, this Ohio State kid is just a plug-and-play starting cornerback in the league. No worries sticking him in as a starter right away. Uh, Patricia, defensive guy. The fit seems really appropriate for that team. Uh, and again, this is all based upon nobody trading up for a quarterback, which if Tua is sliding, I think will happen. So yeah, give me Okuda, third overall, plus 150 now. Yes, 150, even better than you were recommending. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably going to wind up being the pick. I think Okuda is going to probably go to the Lions, and it's probably going to be at three. But I, I will say that I have another possibility here, and based on the price, I kind of like it, and that's Derek Brown. Now, I've got I've got two here with Derek Brown, okay? I've got him going at three, which is at plus 700, although let me, No, all right, so... This Hit that legitimate, legitimately, this is probably what is happening. And this probably explains why the odds on Okuda are better. Right before we went on this podcast, right before I looked at the odds to make sure I had the most recent odds, and I did, and Derek Brown was at plus 700 to go third overall. He's now at plus 500. And I think that that's probably why the corresponding move is to Okuda going from plus 125 to plus 150 uh, is necessarily, although actually that might even not make sense. But regardless, that um, Brown is now at plus 500 to go third overall because I think there's some buzz about him potentially going to the lines. I mean, look, they need a cornerback, as you adequately laid out, but they have also not goodness please don't act like this is a comparison but they they have Desmond Trufant it's not like they just gave away Slay so they did add somebody they need help on defense they had no sacks last year 28 I believe total they need somebody who can rush the rush the passer Brown is getting a lot of buzz right now going on so I could see uh you know in a in a relatively deep cornerback draft I could see the Lions basically saying you know what we're gonna not even trading it away themselves staying at three and taking Brown. Uh, it's at plus 500. I don't love it quite as much with that. I liked it when it was at plus 700. But the other Brown one I'm going to say, and I'm going to need to check to make sure this hasn't moved either because this has been moving crazy, is under pick eight and a half. So it was, when I checked, at minus 177. That's still a pretty steep price. But a couple of days ago, it was at minus 134. So you could have gotten it there in our consensus lines. But for me, I think there's a really good shot that the Lions take him at three. Even if they don't, it's just really hard to see him getting past pick eight. You've got Carolina at seven. They obviously need to revamp their defense. You've got Arizona at eight. And this is moving on this number, eight and a half, pretty big going on. So there's a lot of buzz around Brown, whether it be at three, whether it be at seven, whether it be at eight. The line is at eight and a half. So for me, I would put some even at plus 500, which is not nearly as good on Brown going third overall. And I'd also put, uh, you know, a bigger bet. It's minus 177 on uh, Brown going before pick eight and a half. Yeah, the price isn't as great, but the move should instill some confidence, right? The late move Absolutely. is always the right move. Absolutely. Hold on. I'm going to check as we talk right now. Drum roll, please. Just, 
just to make sure because if this moved even more i'm going to be really upset no okay it's still minus 177 but uh, the over has moved to plus 145 which is a bigger move as well so yeah i mean there's a reason that the juice moves the way it is and it's because of the same intel that rich and i are talking about so anyway so that's for me i could see brown going at three i kind of am liking that right now although again at plus 500 that's not good enough at this point unless something major leaks out um but certainly under eight and a half is something i feel confident in all right, what do you got next? All right, well, he finished, I referenced this earlier, the Fantasy Pros uh, mock draft uh, rankings. He finished in the 50s. A lot of people don't like him. He's got a good impersonation. Uh, <laughs> but Mel Kuyper knows things about the New York football giants. He had Daniel Jones going to them last year. Everybody thought he was crazy. And once again, the Giants are selecting high. Once again, Dave Gettleman refuses to trade backwards because that's something that he <laughs> will seemingly he, never do. He's got the binder, though, man. He's got that giant binder on his desk. Why trade back? You have all the information you need. And once again, Mel Kuyper's going off the board with the Giants pick. Everybody thinks, and this is probably correct, they should go offensive lineman. Yes. He's got Isaiah Simmons, uh, the versatile linebacker from Clemson, Uh do-it-all guy he could even sneak back and play box safety uh and right now that price is plus 350 and as we noted while i was doing research this morning it was plus 400 so the market is moving in the other direction why would the giants not select an offensive lineman when they have so much equity in barkley and daniel jones i don't know but mel kuyper seems to have the finger on the pulse of dave gettleman so give me isaiah simon uh simmons first giants player selected well I mean, that just that just blows a hole in my next one. But, you know, whatever, that's fine. All right. So Kuiper has come out with it. And OK, he's got his his finger on the pulse. Uh, if you if you want to say that, uh, look, I, I had, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the Giants, but I was thinking it would be the Giants. It doesn't necessarily blow it up. But I was going to have the first offensive lineman drafted as Jedrick Wills at minus 120. And to me, you know, you've got the four big offensive linemen right now, right? You've got Wills. You've got Wirfs. You've got Thomas, you've got Becton. Becton probably is going to be the last of the group, you assume now, with his off-the-field issues. So you've really got the big three. You can go any which way with it. I mean, Wirfs is, is plus 180 right now. Thomas is plus 400, unless I've missed something, again, in the last 10 minutes that's sort of changing these odds. Um, I th- thought he was going to go to the Giants. Now, look. Mel Kuyper's mock draft, there are a million mock drafts, and yeah, he wasn't that accurate last year or anything like that. That's not going to change necessarily the way I feel, but the odds are moving. If the juice is moving, that, that could indicate something. But to me, look, it strikes me as him, uh, as Will's going to the Giants. Uh, they've got the whole Alabama, you know, Patriots, Joe Judge sort of connection, which has always seemed to work. You draft a franchise quarterback, you really need to protect them. To be fair, Simmons would do a lot for their team. They need help pretty much everywhere, but you really need help on the offensive line. And to me, Wills is really the guy. And the odds, again, with the intel, have been moving towards Wills uh, lately. They really, they've they've just got to do something in the end, even if they don't, even if they don't. Okay, so we're talking, not saying he's going to go number four, not saying he's necessarily going to go to the Giants, just that he's the first guy drafted. If the Giants do go to Simmons. The next one up would probably be, my guess is Arizona. They'd probably be looking at something. They really need to um, shore up their right tackle, right? They've got Humphreys on the left. He could slide right in there. He wouldn't need to learn a new position or anything like that. He knows exactly how to play it. So 
for me, I think he's going to be the first guy off the board. I'm still sticking with my prediction that it's going to be on the Giants. Um, but even if not, I still think that he's going to go before Werfs and Thomas, who I think will probably go two and three. Look, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. You know, if I was in that position, I would either be trading back or securing that offensive line as well when I've got Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. <laughs> but you're not Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman. Get get Dave Gettleman. <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. You know, and again, you don't you don't need the Giants to take them to be right on this pick. Right. I mean, I'm assuming that they're gonna. But even if not, I, I think Wills is a guy who look, they're all really, really good. OK, the, the big four, they're all really good. Any one of them can step right into the NFL and play probably at an elite level. But to me, I think Wills is, you know, whether, you know, Werfs may be a little more polished, but especially, you know, he can he can step right in at right tackle and, and be ready to go from day one. So it's hard to see him getting past to me, Arizona, if he goes there. And I don't think somebody's going to be selected before that. So I'm still good with Will's first offensive lineman selected at minus 120. Well, let's keep it on the offensive lineman train. Okay. And I will take the over on six and a half offensive linemen selected in the first round. This is the first bet that I'm offering where you're paying a little bit of juice, minus 155 is the consensus odds, but you brought up the first and most important part of this to me is that not only are those top four, Werfs, Willis, Becton, Thomas, probably going to go in the first round, they're probably going to go in the first half of the first round. So then we only need to sneak through three more guys in the last 16 picks, and there's a handful of offensive linemen where you have to pay juice on DraftKings to bet that they will be drafted in the first round. The highest amounts of juice you're paying are minus 500 for Austin Jackson and minus 335 for Josh Jones. And then you have Cesar Ruiz, Ezra Cleveland, and Isaiah Wilson uh, that you have to pay juice for as well. A lot of offensive line needy teams uh, in the middle, late uh, selections of the first round, Dolphins, Vikings, Seahawks, and I would even lump in the Titans and Ravens in there who lost... uh, uh, Conklin to the Browns for the yep. Titans and then Yonda to retirement for the Ravens. So uh, offensive line so important. Even good teams, it always helps. You look at the Eagles last year, they went strength on strength by selecting a left tackle even though they already had Jason Peters at the position. Uh, I think you can't go wrong uh, by selecting some of these guys. And yeah, I like the over on six and a half. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with it. Um, I, and I think you bring up a really good point, which has Again, the big four, yeah, they're all going to be gone in the first half of the draft. So you really only need three more. Everybody needs offensive linemen. It's a good draft for it. It's a deep draft. So I like it. Uh, But I'm going to be willing to pay so much more on this next one than I'm going to go to. And again, I'm going to give you a little bit of an offshoot for it. And that's under four and a half quarterbacks in the first round. Now, you know the big three. We've talked about them already. Uh, You assume Jordan Love is probably going to go in the first round. So then you've got Eason. uh, You've got Fromm. I like Hurts, personally. I mean, I think he's got a lot of upside, but they're not going to go in the first round. Now, look, everybody knows that, which is why the odds are astronomical. It's minus 560 uh, for the under. So let's just talk about it. You're winning $18, essentially, on a $100 bet. So that's not really something that's going to wow anything. I mean, it's it's as safe as they come. Um, But I'm going to throw out another one because of that, uh, and that's Jordan Love over pick 19 and a half. That's at minus 177, so that's still juiced pretty good. I don't love Jordan Love. 
to to put it frankly. And I again, I know this is much more about the intel that you know we're getting from teams, and there seems to be a little bit mixed here with Love. Um, but for me, it just I cannot see him going that early. There's really one possibility absent somebody trading up for him, which I really don't think, and that's the Raiders, who would be at 19. And I just don't think that that's what the Raiders are going to do right now. I know they're not in love with Carr. They do have Mariota. Um, but they're a competitive team right now. I think their over-under is 7.5. You can obviously see them uh, beating that pretty easily if things go right. They've got two picks uh, you know, in the top 20. So they can add two real playmakers to help them this year. So I really don't think that that's going to happen. So after that, you know, you've got the Jags at 20 if if you know, they don't go with Tua in nine in my one of my earlier selections. You Maybe the Patriots is 23. But either way, all that's going to be past pick 20. So it's really for me, I can't see a team trading up to get Jordan Love. So it's really for me whether or not the Raiders are going to take him at 19. And I just, I feel pretty confident given, you know, the Raiders were, you know, somehow in playoff contention all last year. They're going to, and that was with Antonio Brown dropping out right before the season started. So right now they get a little more time to prep, of course. They've already got Mariota as their backup or, you know, whatever you want to call it, QB competition. You've got two top 20 picks. I think it's something where they're going to be able to possibly make some noise this year. And I think that's where they're going to be focused on rather than their quarterback of the future. So for me, give me uh, over 19 and a half Jordan Love, and that is minus 177. Yeah, I like I like both of these. I mean, in what world are Hertz or Eason going in the first round just no. doesn't seem likely no. whatsoever and but no. that juice is it's it's gross it's crazy i mean you're not you you're risking a hundred dollars to win 18 that's crazy um and again that's been getting worse um but i mean that it's a crazy bet but still you know it is something that it's pretty much as much of a lock as you could have coming into this and with regards to jordan love look he's a project you know he's yeah. he's got tools but he misses layups and you cannot be a starting quarterback in the NFL, if you miss your layups, uh, and which one of these teams is positioned to take a project? We're in a really weird space right now in the NFL. I think the first time in my lifetime where the supply of quarterbacks is outpacing the demand from these teams. Guys, Jameis Winston and Cam Newton don't have a job. Andy Dalton is a lame duck quarterback who the Bengals are having trouble giving away. So, if you're going to take a project like Jordan Love, you don't have to spend first round equity on it. And I think these teams are going to realize that. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you're going to go below 19 and a half, I mean, none of the teams who are picking at that spot need a quarterback. You know, even if you go, you know, you go, you know, the Browns, the Jets, you've got the Raiders, of course, as we just said, the 49ers, the Bucks, the Broncos, the Falcons, none of them is in the market at this point for a quarterback. So, I don't see any way that he's going to go, uh, you know, under 20. So, again, it's minus 177. It's not like you're getting a particularly good price on it. But, I, again, I feel pretty confident that that's how it's going to it's gonna shake out. All right, what do you got for your next one? All right, let's go J-E-T-S. Okay, I've been waiting for it. Their first pick is going to be an offensive lineman. I've been going back and forth as a fan. Would I love to see Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb in a Jets jersey? Absolutely. I would. We need to get Sam Darnold some weapons. But everybody's been banging the drum for months that this is the deepest wide receiver draft they've ever seen. So we can probably, and I say the royal we, we can probably address this position 
later in the draft, even in the second round with guys like Denzel Mims, Chase Claypool. I mean, this wide receiver class is fantastic. Joe Douglas, former offensive lineman, GM, understands the need to solidify the position. Connor McGovern, Greg Van Rotten, they're nice, but they're both interior linemen. Greg Fant, he's not the answer at left tackle. Uh, So I like the Jets' first pick, offensive lineman, plus 100, and I'll add to that that I like them getting uh, Andrew Thomas. I like the price at plus 600. My only worry is what you brought up uh, about uh, the off-field issue uh, for Bechtai and maybe Thomas going a little, uh, Becton, excuse me, and Thomas going a little higher uh, than people are thinking right now. But, I mean, the fit's perfect. Uh, right tackle early at Georgia, had to flip when Isaiah Wynn was drafted, two great seasons at left tackle. And people that play Madden think that you can just switch tackle position that easily, but it's right. literally like going from left-handed to right-handed. Your entire brain has to swap, so... Versatile player, excellent player, and frankly, I'd love for him to land with the Jets. At- Do you think there's any chance about Worfs landing there or what? Uh, certainly, uh, but I, I just, <sighs> Worfs, Wills, they all seem to be a little interchangeable with Worfs being the preferred choice of the three. It probably comes down uh, to, to Worfs and uh, Thomas at this spot. But basically, I'm just taking the highest odds here with Thomas getting plus 600 at this spot. Well, Worfs is plus 700. I mean, put a little on both. Just hedge a little bit just to make sure uh, you're going to get one or the other. Oh, that's actually an excellent hedge. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems you brought up uh, the uh, Willis pick earlier, and Willis is steaming towards certainly being the first offensive lineman taken. And with the Becton news with him potentially dropping. Yeah, at plus 700. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good strategy to sprinkle a little bit on both and hope that one of them lands with the Jets. Yeah, I mean I I think if the Jets are going to I think they are going to go offensive lineman. I I agree at this point. I mean it, it would be exciting to to get one of the wide receivers, but you mentioned it. This is a really 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 uh deep class for wide receivers. So I think going offensive lineman again, you know, as you know, we'll see if Dave Gettleman understands, but, uh, you know, you, you need to protect your, your franchise quarterback. So, uh, I do like that. So I'm going to go, uh, you know, man, I hate to do this cause it's not going to be around one play. Everybody's going to have to hang on till, uh, the second day, but that's going to be the first tight end drafted. Now the consensus pick here is commit, right? He's at minus 200 for it. And his over under pick is about, I think it's 44 and a half. So, I mean, that that's fine. But, you know, once you get past the first round, it's just craziness. I, I don't think anybody can really predict what's going to happen. I mean, nobody can predict the first round. Um, but once you get past the first round, it's really kind of a free-for-all. Komet's great. He's got a good future. He's, he's young. I mean, he's 21. He's not a great blocker, and, and he probably is. And, uh, you know, it, the odds are that he's going to be the number one. But for me, I kind of like the odds a little bit better with Albert O going. I can try to pronounce his last name. Uh, Okue Boonam, I think. Everybody, you know, even even the broadcasters call him Albert O. So I'm going to, like like Tua, I'm sticking with Albert O just so I don't have to mangle the name uh, every time. For, so for Albert O to be the first tight end drafted, and that's plus 800. You can get that higher at a, a bunch of different books. That's just the consensus odds of plus 800. Look, he's a complete freak of nature, right? 6'5", 258. He ran a 4.49, uh, 40 at uh, at the combine where he really kind of upped his stock. 
And again, you know, he's been plagued by these shoulder injuries while at Missouri and especially last year, which kind of dinged his stock. But, you know, once you're past that first round, no rookie tight ends really make that much of an impact. Almost never. Um, you know, occasionally, you know, Evan Ingram, of course. But for the most part, they don't. And I think if you're looking for the biggest upside, just, you know, he's so incredibly athletic that when you get there, he's the type of guy who I think teams are going to be looking for a little potentially more than Komet. Again, the odds are Komet. If you were saying the odds on on both were the same, of course, I'd lean Komet. But a plus 800, and again, that was a little higher, you know, a few days ago. So I think there might be a little buzz. Um, I'm going to go with Albert O as the first tight end taken at plus 800. Yeah, uh, not a lot of love for this tight end class in general. You talked about that under four and a half quarterback number. Uh, Big juice on that zero tight ends will be taken in the first round. I should say under .5 to be specific. It's Mm -hmm. minus 830. Uh, So another one that if if you can stomach it, right, if you're trying to cash in on something that seems pretty clear. I I haven't seen a, a tight end mocked in like the top 40 even. Yeah. No, I mean, Komet is the is the lowest, and he's 44 and a half. And, uh, you know, I'd probably take the over uh, on that, I, you know. But either way, he, there's no first-round tight ends. It's almost a guarantee. If there, you know, if there is, I'm just going to throw my hands up. But uh, for the most part, that, that's one of the safest bets that you can make. All right, what do you got next? All right. So I mentioned it briefly uh, in my Jets soliloquy that this – is one of the deepest wide receiver class or so that's what we've been told. And I think we're going to see that even depress the values of the higher end receivers. Uh, couple that with some of the love that uh, uh, Ruggs has been getting as of late for his speed and athleticism. And I think that there's a chance that CD lamb goes a little later uh, than expected. I think he's a dynamic player. Uh, I mean, just unbelievably athletic for his size, his ability to go up and get the ball. Um, But I just, with these teams knowing that there's going to be value in the back end of the draft, I can see them talking themselves into addressing other areas instead of selecting receivers. So I'll take the over on 12 and a half at plus 115. Landing spots that look pretty good for him are the Broncos uh, I mean, the, if the Niners go Galaxy Brain at 13, that would be pretty fantastic. Uh, and really, the only team that worries me, if I'm going to be honest, is the Raiders at 12. Yeah. Uh, so this feels like a coin flip to me, uh, but at plus 115, I'm getting a bit of a weighted edge. So I'll, I'll take uh, the weighted edge and hope that CeeDee Lamb goes past the Raiders at 12. So I know what that you're thinking the Jets are going to go offensive line, but obviously there's another position that the Jets have been rumored to be in, and that is wide receiver. I mean, is that, are you like firmly convinced that the Jets are going offensive line here? You don't think there's any way they go wide receiver? And if they do, do you think it's going to be another one other than Lamb? Or are you just basically saying, no, forget it. The Jets at uh, 11 are are not taking a wide receiver. They're going offensive line. So I'm not concerned about them. I'm fairly confident that the Jets are going to go O line. It's just the the stars seem to be aligned in that direction. And okay. ahead of them, I, I think the only wild card really is the Jags. Uh, and I I honestly couldn't tell you what the hell the Jags are doing. So I don't know. Are they going to address uh, the fact that they lost Calais Campbell? Uh, they have so many holes on this roster uh, that Brown, if he were to fall, and even Javon Kinlaw are good fits as well. Yeah. The, the Jags 
could take anybody at nine, which is kind of why I love your your Tua. Uh, yes, <laughs> come on, they can do anything. Take Tua if he falls. Come on, that's the big one. Uh, and even if the Jets select receiver, I think there's just as high a chance that they t- they take Judy uh, as Lamb. So yep. uh, if we're sweating really the Jets and Raiders, and I think the Jets are going tackle with a slight chance they take receiver, which could be another receiver. Uh, I still think there's a, a pinch of value here. Yeah, I mean, I think the 12 and a half is, you know, that's the reason, right? It's the Jets and the Raiders. And, you know, but that is the other thing. Like, not only do one, at least one, maybe both of those teams have to go receiver, but they've got to go lamb. So you never really know which way it's going to go. So I, I don't hate that personally. Um, I'm a little less confident i think that the jets are going to go offensive line they might um but and if i had to wager one or the other i would think offensive line but certainly you know with everything i've seen nobody seems to know Uh, you know some mocks i've seen have them going to uh have them going receiver some have them going offensive line so uh, but either way i don't know which offensive lineman so uh which uh wide receiver so I, i don't hate it uh what i do like is the number of running backs taken in the first round, the over-under is half a running back, uh, and I'm going to go with the under, and it's at plus money here. It's at plus 165, at least last I checked. May have changed in the last five minutes, as a lot of these odds uh, are, but you've obviously got um, Swift, you've got Taylor, you've got Domins, uh, you've got Edward Hilaire. So you've got, you know, at least four, maybe more, like pretty solid running backs, guys who can contribute right away. But you know already what has happened with the NFL, which is essentially that running backs are fungible for the most part. And that's the way teams look at them. And, you know, you get to the back end of the first round, no idea what can happen, right? Anybody could basically decide, oh, you know, I I really want Swift. I'm going to, you know, trade a, a minor minor draft capital to be able to move up a couple of spots and then you get into the very back end of the first round and you take a running back but I mean you've got the Ravens the Titans the Packers the Niners the Chiefs none of them is necessarily teams with a clue teams with a clue that aren't going to take a running back that's correct that that's a more direct way of saying what I'm trying to say uh so for me you look again you it's really difficult because you know I think the first running back that's going to go is going to go probably early on in the second round is what my guess is. But uh, so once you get to that spot, it's a little up in the air. Uh, But, you know, since you're getting the plus money on going the under, I'd lean that way. So I will take under half a running back being selected in the first round at plus 165. Yeah, love it. Like I said, these teams are sharp at the bottom of the first round. Uh, Even Pete Carroll can't uh, ruin this because it's so clear that they need to draft an offensive lineman. Don't go that far he could easily ruin this i'm just gonna bet at at this point that that he's gonna you know he's gonna stick with a normal draft strategy and not and not screw it all up but it's it's certainly possible but yeah this is one again you never know you know when you get to this you know especially as it gets later in the first round teams things get crazy so you never really know but i i feel pretty confident that you know because and i personally this is you know again we talk about the intel versus our valuation I don't really see Swift that, you know, much better than Taylor or Edwards Hilaire, who, you know, my guy, Mike Taglier, really loves. I I don't see that huge a difference between them, so I don't really see the need for a team to try to trade up necessarily to to go grab one of them as opposed to waiting for another. So anyway, for me, again, it's plus money, so that makes it more enticing. But uh, I'll take under half a running back at plus 165. 
All right, let's do, you got one more for me? Yeah, one more. I'm going to take another over. And it's a position that is kind of getting phased out right now. You speak talk about running back and how much they quote-unquote matter to an NFL team. And Patrick Queen, uh, currently over 23.5. It's basically even at minus 110. He's a run-stopping inside linebacker. Uh, some of his traits uh, are worrisome in terms of coverage. Uh, and that position is slowly getting phased out of the game. If you're an inside linebacker, if you're a predominantly run-stopping guy, your utility is not as impactful is as if you are an edge linebacker that can get in there and rush the passer or a great coverage guy. It seems like if you were to do uh, an, an inside linebacker comparison, people tend to like Oklahoma's Kenneth Murray uh, over Patrick Queen. Uh, and like I said, the emphasis on edge is going to push people to take guys like uh, Chase on Epenza and Gross Mateos over him. Uh, the most popular position I am seeing, and this is kind of uh, a a running theme, is that he's a good C.J. Mosley replacement with the Ravens, which would be mm-hmm. much later than 23 and a half. And just looking at some of these teams in the middle, I don't think that they would uh, spend a middle of the first round pick on a position uh, with such little impact as inside linebacker. Uh, The Saints are pretty strong at this position. The Vikings are strong at this position. I cannot see the Patriots taking a standard inside linebacker, specifically when they lost a lot of edge talent in Jamie Collins uh, last year. So, yeah, give me uh, Patrick Queen falling down 23 and at past 23 at minus 110. Yeah, I love it. I think that's great. Uh, I I do think that this has all the makings of the Ravens at uh, 28. I could see maybe at the Chiefs, uh, you know, at that, you know, the last pick of the first round or something like that. But yeah, I would really be surprised. That's a really good one. And I'm a little annoyed that I didn't have it on my list, but I'm going to bet it as soon as we're done with this podcast, which will be in two minutes. Um, Yeah, that's a good one. I I just I I don't see him going before 23 and a half. And I think must have missed it honestly because that is that is lower than i would have expected because i think the general consensus is you know the ravens are kind of the earliest that i can see him going so at that point and that's 28 i believe so that's a really good one i like it and not the most exciting one yeah it's a random linebacker right but i love it no it's it's actually it's actually very very good yeah that's good uh all right i think we've given uh, our listeners uh, a bunch of different things to uh, have fun with some with really long odds some with plus money but a lot of different things going into day one maybe day two if you want to get into the tight end pool a little bit hopefully day two goodness let, let's not draft tight ends in in round one uh, uh and this one but either way we're gonna have something to focus on that is actual something to gamble on which is going to be Really, really fun. But anyway, that is it for today's show. Rich, as always, it was great having you on. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, you can download the Gridiron Gamble podcast on any podcatcher you use. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Catch us on Twitter at Gridiron Gamble. We'll be doing our own uh, NFL drop, draft props later today on Monday. So check that out. Yeah, you'll be ready to go with all the draft props. I, I look forward to you sweating your action for three straight days, as uh, crazy as it's going to be. Uh, well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, everybody remember, don't forget to head over to bettingpros.com to check out our consensus uh, draft day props. And you can bet on, obviously, NFL futures and all that stuff. Uh, that's over at bettingpros.com for the draft props, bettingpros.com slash draft hyphen props. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week talking about some more NFL futures. 
I'll talk to you then.